This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, committed to assisting businesses impaired by COVID-19. Trustmark is now providing small business loans through the Paycheck Protection Program. More information at trustmark.com slash PPP. Member FDIC. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. I'm Kevin Farrell, along with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Ryder is a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Our co-host, Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, is out today. Do you, have, do you still have student loans? Do your grandchildren have student loans? Our guest today is Bruce McClary from the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Learn about the pandemic, how it's affecting student loans, and what to expect for those about to enter higher education. We also look for your general money questions as we do each week. Contact us by email. Our address is money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Ryder. It uh, looks like uh, the next round of uh, stimulus uh, packages uh, or package is uh, nearing uh, completion. Should we be expecting our checks in the mail soon, do you think? Um, yes, although I think, you know, for a while with the last stimulus check, you know, just judging from some of the questions we got, some of the questions we got from clients and just people um, people around the state is, you know, some of those actually took a little longer than expected. Some of those arrived in different ways than expected. So uh, generally speaking, uh, what we understand is that if you received that first stimulus check or that second stimulus check, you should re- expect to see something else um, they and they should be paying it um, in the same way that they've paid it before or if you've updated payment information if you've filed taxes in between time and, and changed the way you pay hopefully they would update that but again you know this is a complicated database of uh, hundreds of millions of uh, people and lots of important information on it so you know forgive them if they miss one or two of them and then of course for folks who are uh, expecting to get one, but maybe haven't received it, didn't get it, uh, do believe they're entitled to one, there should be a way for them to claim that back on their taxes. I have not done a deep dive into the tax forms this year to see how that's done, Um, but but that is, because the way it was structured as an advance on a tax credit, uh, you should be able to file for that tax credit um, on your taxes. I got a bit of a scare the other day that I got a, uh, a, a letter from the IRS, and I was like, oh, gosh, am I being audited? Uh, but it actually was about the the, uh, the rounds of stimulus checks, and it said, you know, um, if you haven't received it, here's what to do. And it, it, it laid out very plainly what you can do to make sure you get your money. And it said if you've gotten yours, you could go ahead and ignore that. So that was a, a sigh of relief. So, um, Oh, that's fantastic. That's yeah. the nicest letter anyone has ever gotten from the IRS. You should frame that. That's beautiful. (laughs) So what about uh, some other financial news in the news? Well, a little less financial, but I was just playing around with an Excel spreadsheet, as I am wont to do, and uh, looking at our state's, um, you know, COVID vaccinations and COVID cases and kind of seeing, you know, how far off that is. Because, you know, you see a lot of news. We are ramping up vaccinations. Um, uh, several folks in our office have been able to get uh, vaccinated 
and um, that it's getting easier and easier, and there's more and more places offering it. And I see uh, our state health officer, Thomas Dobbs, promoting it a lot. And I saw him talking about it this morning, so I decided to do some numbers myself and just kind of looking at, you know, vaccinations there for folks who are 18 and over, so you can kind of ignore that segment of the population. Um, folks who have already had it, by and large, they may not need to get a vaccination. Some will probably want to get one, but, you know, plenty may not. Um, so we still need to vaccinate those remaining folks. And at the rate we're going right now, it could still be several months. It looks like four to six months uh, before the state is fully vaccinated. Fortunately, we have a couple things going for us. One, our rate is increasing. So folks, if you have not gotten out there and gotten vaccinated, go go out there and get your get vaccinated. There are plenty of places, plenty of doses available. Um, and two, not the, the whole population does not need to get it before it is extremely effective on a population scale. And I know, you know, oh, what am I doing dabbling in uh, healthcare and stuff? One, I'm just playing with a spreadsheet with numbers in it, guys. This is not medical advice. Two, I mean, this is what we've been waiting for for a year. You know, we have been waiting, we've been waiting so that, until we can get out of our houses and do the most economically intensive things that we do, which is uh, go out and spend a lot of money in large groups, um, go out and, and, and do the things that make companies want to invest, do the things that make companies need to hire more people and pay those people more. Uh, we talked about last week about wages people are getting paid. You know, if we, the more economic uh, activity we're generating, going out and shopping, going out and eating at restaurants, just spending our money in various ways in local stores, uh, the more that's going to benefit those workers who, yes, they're going to have to work for it, but there's going to be more demand for that work and they are hopefully going to get higher wages as well. So that's going to be very important. So get, get out there and get vaccinated and then go spend some money, please. And anyone listening who does have uh, uh, questions uh, related to, to COVID and the vaccine, a re reminder, Southern Remedy airs every weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. We partner with the uh, University of Mississippi Medical Center. So if you have some concerns and questions, uh, probably call any day of the week and they'll be able to give you some good medical information. Uh, so our guest today is Bruce McClary from the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Uh, welcome back to the show, Bruce. Glad to have you on the air with us. Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be here today, and uh, I, I love the topic. This is really important. We could spend a week talking about this. Uh, let's start about uh, talking about individuals who currently have student loans. Due to the pandemic, is there anything they should do right now or anything they were offered in the last 12 months? Ah, yes, yes, there is. And, and there are a couple of things that are really important to know uh, that if, uh, if, for example, if you have a if you have a federally uh, guaranteed student loan, the Department of Education is allowing you to stop paying through September of this year. And it's basically the implementation of an, of an administrative forbearance. So as a student loan borrower with federal student loans, this gives you the ability to stop paying and your loan will not be accruing interest over the period of time. And if you're in a situation of financial hardship, you need a little bit of extra cash to apply to other things, whether it's uh, needs or, or goals, what have you, you have the ability to take advantage of, of this period to uh, uh, 
use your money in, uh, where it's needed in other areas. Uh, but if, but you also have the opportunity to continue paying if you choose to do so. And uh, if you were uh, having your payments automatically debited, uh, you can contact your student loan servicer and you can get them to restart that process during this uh, administrative forbearance period. And then the, the benefit of that, of course, is that you can your payments will uh, have have a greater impact. Uh, the full amount of your payment will be applied to the to the principal balance of the of the student loan. So that's the good news. There is that this this uh, offer is available for people who are uh, repaying federal student loans. Um, the flip side of that, uh, of course, is that there. Um, isn't really anything like that, specifically like that, for private student loans. And while there uh, are, while the vast majority of student loans out there are federal, uh, there are still a good number of student loans that are private, uh, privately held. And th those are arrangements uh, for people who are facing hardship with those are uh, on a catch-as-catch-can basis where you uh, need to work out, uh, arrange, uh, work out and, and have a discussion with uh, each individual lender to see what's available for yourself. And chances are it's not going to be uh, offered at the scope and scale of, of what the federal government is offering through September. Uh, just a quick follow-up. I thought that was interesting. So even uh, with a federal student loan, <clears throat> even if you can't afford to pay all of what you're paying, if it's paused, you're saying go ahead and pay what you can because, again, you're taking advantage of not having the interest and you're actually paying down everything you can on the on the principal. Is that right? Exactly. You can choose to continue payments uh, at the full amount or at, at, at some uh, increment less than that during this period of time. Of course, you have to remember that uh, there there is an end date that's coming, and it's coming soon uh, unless, uh, unless they move the goalpost again. Uh, so just keep, be mindful of that, that you have between now and the end of September to be able to uh, to do that if you choose. But if, again, if your situation doesn't allow you to do that, uh, you can just sit back and, and know that you don't have to make that payment and that you're not going to be penalized for it. One thing I want to uh, uh, point out, though, it's very important for people who are taking advantage of the administration, administrative forbearance, full advantage and not paying on a, on a regular monthly basis. During this period of time, it is critical that you regularly check your credit report to make sure that the account is reporting as it should and that you're not being penalized for skipping your payments. And this is an issue that's come up before in discussions I've had with student loan borrowers where uh, there have been cases, not many, at least not that I've uh, directly experienced or heard of, uh, that where the information is not being reported correctly and the borrower is being penalized but during this period of time when the account should be reported that it's uh, uh, in uh, administrative forbearance. So very important to check your credit report regularly, and you can do that for free on a weekly basis by visiting annualcreditreport.com. Annualcreditreport.com is the website that's maintained by the three credit reporting agencies, and they've actually, even though the website URL implies that it's a yearly, <laughs> uh, a yearly benefit, They've uh, adjusted that so that you can get one copy of each of the uh, each credit report from the major credit reporting agencies on a weekly basis uh, until April of 2022. So, very important to keep tabs on how your accounts are showing up during this administrative forbearance to make sure that you're not being unfairly penalized uh, for taking advantage of that. 
If you have a question for our experts or about student loans, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We are talking about student loans with our credit counselor from the National Federation for Credit Counseling. And if Bruce McClary's name sounds familiar to you, we'll tell you why next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the local MPB Think Radio shows. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're here today with our guest, Bruce McClary, from the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. We're talking about student loans. And if Bruce's name and voice sounds a bit familiar, he's been a guest on uh, on Money Talks a couple of times. Uh, he was talking about credit counseling on the May 12th, 2020 broadcast. And back on August 28th, 2018, we also talked about student loans. So again, Bruce, we'll always appreciate your expertise and your advice uh, about uh, money matters. Um, so you mentioned that uh, when we talked about the, the pausing of the federal student loans, that the, uh, the end of that was September, but the goalpost might be moved. Uh, what are you hearing about with the next stimulus package in regards to uh, current uh, student loans? Yeah, well, there's always a question about that because student loan forgiveness is a hot topic on the Hill, uh, and there's a lot of uh, discussion about what might be done if, in terms of forgiveness or in terms of uh, expanding affordable repayment options. Uh, there's so many different things on the menu right now being discussed. And there are aspects of this that uh, have at least shown that there's bipartisan support for some kind of a solution, but it's hard to pinpoint what that's going to be long-term. Uh, and and I, I do think that there is going to be more discussion here in Washington, D.C. about student loan forgiveness at some level, but that's, that's kind of a sticky wicket there because you've got, uh, on the one hand, uh, you've got 
uh, borrowers who are in the repayment cycle right now and who are struggling and could use the relief, and certainly that benefit, if it is extended and there is some level of forgiveness, would be a tremendous uh, assistance to those who are struggling right now. Uh, but then there's the question about what uh, would there be any further application of this to those who maybe recently repaid their student loans but were having uh, especially uh, or having significant difficulties? Would there be some kind of forgiveness for people whose loans uh, have been in default for some time? You know, who benefits, who doesn't? Uh, and I'm thinking about people such as myself who spent years and years struggling to repay their student loans. What's in it for us? Uh, so, uh, so it's. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a very um, engaging discussion here, and I'm sure there are going to be all kinds of viewpoints. But I think the important thing for people to know no matter what the future holds for student loan borrowers in terms of forgiveness, it's very important to be familiar with the landscape of available options that are on the table now <clears throat> if you're looking for some way to affordably repay your student loans or if you're interested in some type of student loan restructuring to make it uh, uh, easier and more affordable to manage that debt. But I, you know, it's I, I, I always advise people don't uh, you know don't look at the tea leaves and start making plans uh, on what might happen. Uh, just stay focused right now on what is happening and and, and take advantage of, of the programs that are out there. And the good news is, is that there you know there there are uh, a number of affordable affordable repayment options, whether they're income based or otherwise. Uh, and certainly, even with uh, private student loans, there are refinancing options, restructuring options uh, that are available as well to make that a little bit more affordable. So um, focus on the now, but I think it, there's probably a good reason for student borrowers to be optimistic about the fact that uh, lawmakers are going to be addressing this issue of uh, student loan forgiveness or affordable repayment in some way uh, here in the near future as it, as it is a hot topic here. And I think you also said the, the student loans that were in default before forbearance, that situation is also possibly included in, in upcoming uh, legislation or, or stimulus packages? Well, actually, you know, the benefits, this is one of the interesting things about default uh, student loans that were in default before the, uh, uh, before the administrative forbearance and how it's different from other types of debt is that these defaulted student loans also benefit from this forbearance period. Uh, if you compare that to the offers that were on the table at the onset of COVID last spring with credit card companies and other, other types of lenders, uh, there were circumstances where seriously delinquent accounts would not qualify for some of the temporary hardship benefits that were extended. Well, the opposite is the case here. And just for a little bit of a big picture scenario, we didn't really talk about this at the top of the show, but it's it's interesting to see exactly how much of the outstanding uh, student loan debt um, is is currently in default, uh, which I you know that's one of the things that really was shocking for me uh, when I was looking at this, just to see exactly how many uh, millions of student loan borrowers are running into trouble in some way or already plugged into some of the affordable repayment uh, programs. And it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty significant, uh, significant percentage of the overall uh, amount of student loan debt that's at risk of default. Uh, that right now we have, uh, in terms of the big picture on student loan debt, we have one and a half trillion dollars in outstanding student loan debt. 
Uh, if you think about that, just to put that in perspective, with the exception of the nine wealthiest countries on earth, hmm. uh, that 1.7, uh, that one and a half trillion, which is actually 1.7 to be exact, uh, is greater than the individual GDP of every other country on earth, uh, with the exception of the nine wealthiest nations. And uh, roughly, uh, if you look at the uh, default rate, uh, about, uh, I'd say if you look at the, the loans that are plugged into affordable repayment and at risk of a default or already in default, uh, you're looking at somewhere roughly around 10% of that uh, debt is in, is, is in or at risk of default. That's a huge amount of debt. So, you know, all the more reason why uh, it's important for people to be um, looking at solutions to uh, to address this student loan issue, and of course, those mil the millions of people who are in default can take advantage of uh, the administrative forbearance. And while they're doing so, they can reach out and get help to try to get the their repayment back on track. Because student loan debt that's in default is not something that's just going to go away. You can't uh, easily get rid of it through bankruptcy. Uh, there are rare, extremely rare circumstances where that has happened. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you can't include it in bankruptcy. You can't, it doesn't just disappear. And it will follow you around like a lost dog until every dollar is paid or until you're no longer on this earth. Uh, Ryder, you've been listening in. Do you have any questions for Bruce? Um, no, I mean, I, th I think some of the more interesting stuff is is just because it has been talked about so much, you know, or, you know, is there going to be uh, forgiveness for a certain amount? You know, that the kind of Capitol Hill gossip, I guess, we've kind of <laughs> talked about it in almost every show. And, uh, yeah. you know, unfortunately, you know, Bruce doesn't have any 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 better insight than I think we've had so far as to as to where that is. But that's something that's just been frustrating for a lot of borrowers for a mm -hmm. long time, you know, because that, you know, numbers have been thrown around, but, you know, nothing's been done. So people who are trying to make a responsible plan for their student loans uh, just have not had the information that they need. Yeah, and one thing, too, about this, uh, you know, whether or not there's going to be some broad-reaching forgiveness. Yeah, you know, we think about this, and I've I've always I love the what if questions about student loans, and I was uh, uh, looking into a few articles that posed the question: What if every single student loan borrower stopped paying and just walked away from their debt, and what impact would that have? And now this wouldn't be <laughs> this wouldn't be that scenario if there was a, a portion of student loan debt forgiven, but it demonstrated the impact of that on the broader economy, and of course, if if you know. If 45 million borrowers stop paying 1.7 trillion in debt, uh, clearly that would put us on track towards uh, a serious recession and possibly a depression. Uh, that's that's a huge uh, uh, punch to the gut for the economy. Uh, but even a portion of that, we have to be careful. I don't know. About what if they took that money and just started, you know, buying goods and services instead? I mean, that would be tremendously productive in the economy. That's true. It would offset the uh, the impact of of all the unpaid, uh, the the 1.7 trillion unpaid. But uh, there. You know, I think there would be there were there are definitely some negatives to that. So that huge that massive divestment uh, in uh, in student loan payments there, uh, and I think people point back to the uh, 
uh, to what happened in 2007, 2008, 2009 during the economic crisis and how uh, something on that scale even, even had the impact where people weren't paying their mortgages, people were going into foreclosure. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. It poses a lot of interesting scenarios, but the, you always have to be mindful of what that uh, what that impact would be. But then those who are for, uh, especially for the long term, a solution of getting the federal government out of the student loan business. <laughs> um, you know, some people argue that the uh, the federal government hasn't exactly been the best lender <laughs> uh, in terms of managing their portfolios and coll effectively collecting the debt. Um, so there could be some solutions that are uh, that are that are tied to that as well as forgiveness. Uh, maybe uh, backing the federal government out of the lending process a little bit while still making sure that student loan borrowers have uh, the kind of uh, financial the kind of access to the kind of loans that are structured appropriately uh, to give them access to education and the ability to borrow uh, when they uh, when they when they need to attend college so that's another thing too that uh, in addition to the forgiveness that's also on the table but again you know, it's hard to it's hard to know when you're not uh, in the conference room on Capitol Hill exactly what which direction the wind is blowing on this. But there is a lot of talk uh, about you know more interest in in finding solutions for both forgiveness and possibly restructuring the uh, the playing field for uh, for uh, the student loan uh, sector. Uh, Bruce, before our next break, you had mentioned uh, some options that people with student loans now have in terms of making payments. And one thing you mentioned is uh, income-driven repayment. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, there are uh, there are a few different flavors of uh, income-driven repayment, and eligibility. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. Eligibility depends on your circumstances and the specific type of federal loan that you have. Um, but there's uh, there's income-based repayment, which is IBR. There's income-contingent repayment, which is known as ICR. And there's income-sensitive repayment. But again, in the broadest terms, these options are uh, considerations for those who have high student loan debt uh, in in relation to their income. Uh, and then if, if you the, the main thing is, if you want to sign up for it, if you're interested in finding out if you qualify, there are a number of different ways that you can determine uh, whether you're eligible and which of those options might be best for your circumstances. And there are some other considerations too. It also depends on whether or not you want to uh, take advantage of, of other related benefits. But first you can contact your servicer uh, to discuss the affordable repayment options. But before you do that, uh, it helps you to have an idea of how your financial situation lines up with what, what's on the menu. And there's a self-serve option on the Department of Education website. Uh, it's, it's called the Loan Simulator. And the Department of Education website, by the way, is studentaid.gov. And the, the Loan Simulator, it's a really good tool to give you sort of a general idea in a DIY sort of fashion of how each option might work. Uh, but what it's missing, it doesn't include any. It doesn't include access to a uh, financial advisor or 
guidance from a financial professional that can help you through some of the complexities uh, because there are literally hundreds of different permutations uh, that exist when it comes to matching your circumstances with what might be the best available option. Uh, so the one thing I would encourage people to do as well before they have that conversation with their servicer is to talk to a student loan repayment uh, counseling uh, service, like a nonprofit agency like those with the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Uh, and you can access a student loan counselor at nfcc.org. And they can help you really personalize those solutions so you understand what the short-term benefits are and what the long-term implications are and which of those are most sustainable. So that's the other thing that I would advise people to, to do. We're talking student loans for 2021. Where can you get in touch with a not-for-profit credit counselor? We'll have some information about that next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. The co-host of the show, Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, is out today. We do have a guest, and we're visiting this hour with Bruce McClary from the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. If you're in need of a not-for-profit credit counselor, you can find one by calling NFCC. Their number is 800 388-2227. The website is nfcc.org. We have got some calls on the line, so why don't we start in Osaka. Uh, Jen has called in this morning. Good morning, Jen. You're uh, on the air. John, actually. John. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. Go ahead. Uh, well, first of all, uh, I really like the idea about the... Uh, being able to uh, pay off some of my uh, principal there, even if I only do $50 a month, they'll drop it down. But my question is, uh, I know that they've been talking about uh, taking $10,000 off your bill for student loans. How does that affect interest? Because one-third of my student loan is interest. Yeah, that's uh, John. That's a good question. Um, you know, if if they're if they're going to be taking if they're going to be taking the ten thousand dollars off, it's likely going to be coming from principal. Uh, still a help, but uh, to your point, there's a lot of interest tacked on there. So, 
you know, I think the best thing to do is what you've talked about right now is to focus on getting, if, if you can, and if you have the extra money, putting a little bit here and there, focusing on paying down as much of the, uh, paying down as much of the uh, balance, the principal balance as you can uh, by applying payments during the administrative forbearance. But uh, it, it's uh, with the, with the $10,000, if it does come off the top, it's going to come off uh, the principal. Okay. Yeah. And a second question. There, um, I remember something back during the Obama where they were talking about after 20 years that they would uh, kind of cease on the uh, the whole thing there for federal loans. Is that true, or did that never actually happen, or what? Well, and yeah, this is um, you're 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 creating a great segue for something that we'll be talking about a little bit later. Uh, but there are different types of, of repayment options uh, that for federal student loans that will, after a set period of time, uh, give you the ability to waive any remaining balance and forgive any portion of the rest of the balance. And we'll talk about some of that. Uh, but there are programs like that that are in existence. Um, it's uh, it's not universally applicable to all different types of student loans, but uh, there is uh, there is an ability to, uh, after a set period of time, after paying for a certain number of years, uh, be forgiven the remaining amount and, and be able to uh, be free of that requirement to repay any further. Well, I only got another three or four years there, but yeah. <laughs> oh, home stretch. All right. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, sir. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, you've given very valuable information. Uh, I'm actually sitting out here. Uh, I knew that you were coming on. I've been sitting out here in front of my uh, in front of my house, listening to you on my car radio. All right, John. Thanks for the thanks, call. John. Good to hear from you. Uh, let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Next, uh, it's Roy who's called in today. Uh, good morning, Roy. You're on the air with us. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I am a native of Mississippi, and I live in Atlanta now, but I'm over here uh, just on a little vacation. So interested, um, uh, interested in your, uh, your topic today. I am a recently retired federal security clearance investigator. Uh, John just asked the question that I was going to ask, and I look forward to your um, commentary later on about that waiver after the 20 years. But I'll give you an observation. My job was to screen applicants for top-secret security clearance with various uh, federal jobs. The number one issue that would preclude the, um, the gaining of that um, top-secret clearance was not having a wife who is an Afghanistan uh, um, citizen, not being a convicted felon, not being a former drug user, or DUIs, the number one issue is the inability to handle money, number one. That will get your clearance denied like that if it's serious. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm, wow. you know what, I, I am glad you brought up this topic. When I was, years ago, when I started uh, as a credit counselor, I worked at uh, an NFCC agency in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia. And if you're familiar with the Hampton Roads area, there's a, a very high concentration of active duty military, a lot of military bases around there. And I used to get visits from uh, a lot of uh, investigators who were working on security clearances and had recommended that uh, 
individuals that they were working to clear had reached, uh, they'd recommended that they reach out to nonprofit credit counseling agencies to sort out financial issues. So you're spot on when you're talking about the fact that managing finances, dealing with financial issues is a serious roadblock uh, for a number of people in, uh, in getting security clearances in, uh, in their work with the military uh, and other uh, types of, of federal work where they have to, where they have to have a security clearance uh, for the advancement of their career. Uh, so it's extremely important. And we just, uh, uh, my organization just conducted a survey, a military financial readiness survey uh, that we released just uh, weeks ago that addressed some of these issues in relation to the, uh, the military community. But again, for a lot of people, when they stumble, uh, especially with the repayment of student loans, uh, it's, you know, it's something that stays with you and it can be, it can pop up uh, and, and hurt you at times like this when you're trying to, uh, to get a security clearance. So always important to address uh, even the most minor uh, financial issues uh, if you're working a job uh, for the federal government that requires a security clearance. So thank you for bringing up that topic. I appreciate it. All right, Roy. That's uh Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to add to that, you know, you kind of see a trend in recent years of even private employers, you know, asking to access a credit report or something to see um, employee, you know, if, if an employee or future employee has money trouble, because that's a big, I mean, that's a big concern for any employer. Um, you know, I don't know what the legal status or kind of gray areas that they're playing with there. Is a private employer doing that? And I personally think that's a little... Sometimes that's a little far reach into your private life, but um, but it is it is valuable and important information for any employer uh, to see if 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 they have an employee who you know can manage it well or could be in some way compromised. Mm -hmm. But on the issue of student loan forgiveness after 20 years, I just want to go back to that and address that a little more specifically uh, because. Again, we're going to be talking about other uh, different forms of student loan forgiveness, but there, if, if you are talking about the 20-year threshold, there's really a 20-year threshold and a 25-year threshold. Uh, it is possible after 20 years, uh, but uh, when, when uh, regarding undergraduate loans in 25 years, uh, for any graduate or professional study loans. Uh, so those, those options are possible. But again, it's federal loans. Uh, your private student loans, not so much so. Uh, I just wanted to, uh, to bring that up. And then we can talk a little bit about uh, uh, student loan forgiveness uh, as, it, uh, as it applies uh, in other ways as well uh, for different types of professions or employment that you may be seeking. Uh, let's. Uh, how about public service loan forgiveness? While we're kind of on that subject, tell us about that. That's yeah. That's exactly what I was uh, was alluding to. So there's uh, uh, PSLF, uh, essentially uh, waives the remaining balance on your direct loans after you've made ten years of consecutive eligible monthly payments under a qualifying repayment plan while working full time for a. Uh, a qualifying employer. And so if you remember back, uh, I believe it was before the break, we were talking about the different income-based repayment plans. Those are perfect uh, for this type of program. Um, and of course, to qualify for PSLF in a broader sense, you have to be employed by uh, a nonprofit 
a 501c3 organization tax exempt or a government employer at any level so it could be state federal local uh, any of those uh, would would work you have to also be working full-time for uh, that federal government uh, in that federal government job or for that organization and then of course I mentioned you have to have direct loans and then the loans uh, you would have you would be repaying under an income driven repayment plan uh, during that period of time. So, you know, completing the 10 years, the 120 months of consecutive qualifying payments um, and being on uh, uh, and being repaying loans that qualify for income driven repayment plans. Uh, but there are some loans that do not qualify for this public uh, service loan forgiveness. Uh, so those include uh, standard repayment on a di on, on direct consolidation loans, graduated repayment plans, extended repayment plans and alternative repayment plans, which are different variations of affordable repayment available through the Department of Education. So there's, I always tell people it's, it's, you know, it's important to know uh, the fine print when it comes to qualifying for uh, a PSLF, but the basics, uh, if you just focus on the basics, it gives you a sense of whether or not you're in the right direction. So uh, government job, nonprofit work, uh, full-time and uh, repaying direct loans uh, that qualify for income-driven repayment, then you know that you're in the right lane. And then you can go to the, uh, the uh, Department of Education website to look at some of the finer details. And you can also talk to your student loan servicer as well, just to kind of see uh, where you might line up to qualify for those. Um, and, then you can, uh, and then you can see about plugging in. We're talking about student loans with a credit counselor from the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. And we'll be back with more after this. cycle insurance gas maintenance let us help break it by turning that car of yours into public radio if your car is more work than it's useful donate it to us we'll pick it up get top dollar for it and use the funds to bring you more of your favorite shows you might even qualify for a tax deduction donate your car motorcycle boat or rv by going to mpbonline.org show Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Here's a reminder, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. you can listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Today on Money Talks, we're talking about student loans with Bruce McClary from the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. If you have a federal student loan, a couple of loan servicers are Fed Loan Servicing, Nelnet, or Navient. Uh, we have a caller on the line, so why don't we say good morning to Marie, who's called in from the hub city of Hattiesburg. Good morning, Marie. 
good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I have a question regarding the, how often the interests are compounded in a student loan. Because my husband and I and my children have borrowed to, for our education, but it seems like the, the balance never went down. It took us forever to pay. Bruce, any thoughts so, on interest? Yeah, so, so what, uh, first of all, what type of student loan do you have? Uh, do, you, do you know what types of student loan that you have? Is it, is it federal student have, loans or is it? Yeah, they were federal, all federal. Okay, yeah, they, well, the, uh, in, that, in that case, and just uh, in general terms, uh, student loan interest, interest on student loans, com even though it, even though it is listed as an annual interest rate when you look at the interest, it is, it's typically compounded daily. So uh, if you think about that, that's, uh, that's, that's how often your, um, your interest is compounding on the student loans. And I think back to that caller we had earlier, I believe it was, uh, I can't remember if it was John or if it was Roy who was talking about all the interest that had accrued on their, on their student loan. Um, so it's important to keep an eye on that, but uh, okay. in terms of accrual, it, uh, it it's on a daily uh, daily rate. Uh, daily rate. And, and I want to add something to that. Depending on your uh, repayment plan and your specific loan, sometimes the you know what you want to be really wary of is how much of that interest capitalizes. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, investment growth, we talk about, you know, you earn interest on interest. Well, you don't want you don't want your loan interest to be accruing more interest. And so, some student loans, some federal student loans have a limit. Only 10% of that interest will continue to accrue interest on top of it. So, if you're if you're not paying enough, to pay the interest off on the loan every month, then you will accrue some interest. But there is a limit to how much of that, how much interest is going to accrue more interest on top of it. Um, but that's an important thing to watch for. If 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 you if you you're making payments for a long time and you're not seeing that balance go down, it could just be that you are not paying enough to overcome that interest hurdle, and you just need to uh, you know have a little closer look at it and develop a plan for paying it off in the time that you want. And that's all the more reason to take advantage of a period like uh, like you have right now with the administrative forbearance and the fact that there's no interest accruing on federal student Absolutely. loans right now and just power pay the heck out of that thing if mm -hmm. you can. Yeah. Uh, and and then when the when the administrative forbearance period ends to Ryder's point, think about how much payment you're applying to the loan and see if you can uh, optimize your budget so that you can apply additional money uh, so that you can get ahead of that interest accrual and make more progress in paying down your balance. And I think that's a general universal rule uh, that doesn't just work for student loan debt, but also other types of debt where you're frustrated with the interest rate. Here's a reminder about the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. If you need to get in touch, uh, their toll-free number is 800 388 2227. The website is nfcc.org. Bruce, just got a couple of minutes left, but uh, when it comes to the FCC, uh, FCCC, how can they help with uh, student loans? 
Yeah, the uh, National Foundation for Credit Counseling, the NFCC, uh, is a, first of all, it's a nonprofit organization. We have uh, counselors throughout the country. And our, uh, our counselors are not only certified to help people specifically with student loans, but they're broadly certified to deal with a range of different financial issues. So student loans, we know they don't live in a vacuum, and that if you're dealing with student loan repayment challenges, you may be dealing with other types of, of challenges with your other financial obligations. So they're uniquely equipped to uh, take a very comprehensive look at your entire financial situation and assist you in understanding your options and then uh, uh, creating an action plan and taking the steps necessary to move ahead. And they can help you better understand how these affordable repayment plans fit your specific circumstances. They can help you through the steps that you need to take in order to qualify for the right plan once it's determined which one will be best for you. And then they remain a resource throughout as you have questions and as things change. Uh, nobody, uh, you know, nobody's life stays the same over the entire student loan repayment period. So you may run into new challenges uh, after plugging into a solution, and those counselors are there to 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 assist as well. And of course, people can connect with them either by going to the website nfcc.org uh, or calling the number. And there's actually a a specific number dedicated just to student loan counseling, and I'll give that out right now, and it's 877-406-6322. That's, again, toll-free, 877-406-6322, and a student loan counselor uh, can, uh, you can connect directly with a student loan counselor by calling that number and, and start that process. All right, so it sounds like it's really information on both ends. Before you get a student loan, they might be able to help you weigh your options, and then on the repayment side, they can give uh, information and assistance there as well. Well, it's actually more about uh, navigating repayment challenges, but uh, certainly they can assist if you do have questions in a general budgeting and uh, debt management discussion, and they can provide guidance there. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can find it at moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Java Chapman. So for Ryder Tap and our guest Bruce McClary, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, committed to assisting businesses impaired by COVID-19. Trustmark is now providing small business loans through the Paycheck Protection Program. More information at trustmark.com slash PPP. Member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 